Hi, this is Sue Johnson of the Birds and the Bees podcast, and I apologize for the audio recording on this latest episode. Um, It went a little wonky, so uh, I'm sorry that it cut in and out. I'm interviewing Sage Angela Erbner. They are a advocate and a member of the LGBTQ community. They are gender non-binary and they are superstar. So again, I apologize and I hope everybody enjoys this. The, um, um, so, you know, I remembered being with them the day before and, you know, them saying, well, my pronouns are now she, they, and I prefer to be called this. And to just be able to have that conversation with an 11 year old. And, you know, we were talking about how, when I was their age, those conversations weren't possible. And so I, I, I feel the need to not go back in that closet where it's safe. Um, You took your own advice. You leaned into the, the ranting of some asshole and like in a split second, you're like closet safe, but not comfortable. <laughs> right. That's, you're just, it's so, it's such a pleasure to see where you've come in the last couple of years since I first met you. And uh, I actually know somebody who's in with the sisters of perpetual indulgence, um, Tom. Oh, I love, I love Sister Alfina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try and track him down and, and interview him for, uh, for the podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> tell me more about your role with the sisters. How did you get involved with them? I just, I find that utterly fascinating because it's like, it's such a mind fuck to, <laughs> to look at the, it's art. It's like, it's visual art. It is I can't think of the word I'm looking for (laughs) performance art. You know, um, actually the um, mistress of novices for the Empire Sisters, which the local uh, chapter is called, um, approached me because I had gone to a medical appointment and the doctor was not very professional, um, misgendered me on several occasions. Um, and then, you know, that was bad enough, but he was doing some neuro- neurological testing and he tested one side of my body and then tested the other side and said, well, we'll see if there's something wrong with you if you're just a drama queen. And I blasted, I blasted this individual publicly on Facebook and it got a bit of, it got a bit of attention. And the sister said, we need people like you, people that are going to stand up and say, this isn't right. And we're not going to take it. I recently had a sleep study done and they sent me all these forms and they asked me, if my gender is male or female. 
So I sit there and I cross out the word gender and I write in the word sex. And I sit there in my comments saying, I find it sad that a medical facility does not know how to differentiate between gender and sex <laughs> and which term is appropriate for each. So, you know, as, as grateful as I am that I got the language, um, I'm also seeing, boy, is there so much work to do. And like you said, yeah. I, had a, I had a career in peer advocacy. Um, I've done lobbying and whatnot before. So I figured that I have an obligation to use my voice to try to make it young, you know, easier for the younger kids that come after me. Absolutely. And, and I'm professional to... So I, I work in medical care. I do HIV prevention and STI education. Um, and we just got a new electronic medical record system. And I'm incredibly grateful because just a little for, for the audience, if your health insurance has a gender marker on there, that is not how you live your life. And your, the role you have defined for yourself, they won't pay for any of your health care unless what you put down on form matches what's on the insurance card. But thankfully, yep. we have a system now where even though we don't use people's dead names, we can put in preferred name and that's what it comes up as. And, and there's more of a selection for um, gender, which is great too, because and some, and actually in some cases, people are like, I prefer not to list anything and we can put that in, which is, that's been a saving grace. Um, right. so, <laughs> but, but one doctor's office out of how many hundreds in the immediate, all, you know, Albany, Schenectady, Rensselaer counties, um, right. outside of Planned Parenthood, of course, who've always been way ahead of the game. Right. Um, but well, yeah. I have to say Albany Med is getting good that, um, a lot of their departments are calling me and asking for SAGE, even though the legal name change isn't done yet. Um, and, you know, when other ones tell me, I'm sorry, this is your legal name, we have to use it. No, you don't. I'll say, well, why don't these other three departments need to use it? Why is it that they're able to see in my chart and you're not? So, you know. Pushback is needed. Yeah, pushback is needed. And I'm learning to do it in a calmer way, like I just described, rather than, yeah. you know, go off. Um, because I was <laughs> that person at first. As a but, matter of fact, yeah. at, very fir at first, I was very staunchly they, them pronouns. And I still mm -hmm. really prefer the they, them. Yeah. I'm kind of modified to they, she, because despite presenting so differently, you know, being someone who's assigned female at birth with no surgical intervention or hormonal intervention, wearing a beard. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, this is all within the last year. Yeah. This was an unintended good consequence of COVID because <laughs> I had always struggled and been ashamed of facial hair. And it wasn't until we weren't going anywhere. And if I did have to run to the store, I had a mask on that nobody could see. Nobody could see. I allowed myself to get a little lazy. And I said, mm -hmm. wait a minute. 
you're saying that you hate something that you've never allowed yourself to see. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to allow yourself to see it. And I did. And, you know, I have a lot of, um, you know, born males or, or trans males on TV um, just saying, damn, I wish I could mind ruin like yours. <laughs> I uh, I have PCOS actually polycystic ovarian syndrome so I I have to shave I I've I've seen what I've looked like and for me personally it's not my bag but you you're like heck yeah I'm not going to be afraid of this and you know what you're being true to yourself and you are like the most humble down to person down to earth person and. <laughs> but you're I mean I, I really I do find I, I I hold you in a very high esteem just because I feel like going through the changes of parent and then advocate and then I'm feeling this intense erasure and then boom I'm out and I, and I have to, I have to be true to myself and yep. not a lot of, I mean, thankfully we are living in a, in a period of time in a specific place where you, there is safety in that. Yeah. I mean, that is something that I'm incredibly grateful for. Like I said, the, um, both in our own voices and the pride center have been, a great part of my process you know I've been going to um support groups at uh in our own voices and the um pride business mixers and other events and I've just met such a great group of people you know uh and it's really it, it feels wonderful to ha have those healthy friendships based yeah. on who I am not on some you know, preconceived erroneous notion. Yeah. And, and, and you found your people. Yeah. And I'm still finding new ones every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also too, like find as you get older, it, <laughs> you, for me anyway, but I, I kind of sense from you too, you have less tolerance for shitty people. And yeah. it's not like being like you're you're you know just you know ripping into somebody. It's just like clearly there's we don't click. <laughs> so right. I'm gonna move on. And if so many things about me are offensive or uh, asinine to you, then we don't need to be in each other's orbit. Exactly. You know. Um there's different strokes for different folks and you know um uh you know a lot of people say you know just don't be a dick well i'm trying to remove <laughs> taking like you know even gender out of that so it's like just don't be an ass everybody has an ass mm -hmm. so we, we, we can use that one <laughs> without <laughs> you know trying to shame either uh sex but just don't be an ass you know um for me, people that can hold multiple truths 
that can stay in conversation during conflict and learn about each other's worldview because, you know, we're all just a, a conglomeration of all of our experiences and how they mm -hmm. intersect, you know. Yeah. If you're, and that's how we learn. And that's how we learn how we see things. And until you know how someone else learned what they think, you really don't know how similar or dissimilar your thoughts may be. Yeah, I, I, I think there's enough room to have healthy debate about things and, and, and debate in the sense that you're actually listening to the other person instead of talking over them. And um, even people, even like-minded individuals in the community, they know we're not always going to have the same viewpoints and, and we shouldn't right and we should encourage discourse as opposed to i'm going to talk louder over you because you're wrong and here's why well i think most people listen to respond rather than to listen to understand hmm. and that is you know just a, a tragedy because when you listen to understand rather than to respond you just hear everything in a whole different way. That is the um, service industry talking. <laughs> um, well, wait. yeah, like I, I did two years in mental health peer support, you know, where, um, where I did have training in trauma-informed practices and, um, you know, self-determination, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the stages of change, you know, um, basically a lot of, of training that a professional social worker would get, uh, but yeah. without a degree. I, I never really went too much further than high school because I had the baby so young. Yeah. I did try um, when she was an infant. Um, I took two courses, which were psych and sociology, and I passed them. Mom made me take business management and typing, and I failed those. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> um, and then a couple of years later, I had tried to go back, um, and I took a math class over the summer. And then I found out I was pregnant with my second child. And wow. I just said... You know, no. Yeah, so my kids, uh, I had three kids by the time I was 24. And by the time I was 26, uh, when I was 26, I was hit by a car, oh. um, hospitalized for three months. I had 15 operations to keep my leg um, wow. attached. I had to relearn how to rewalk. Um, it was a trauma for the entire family. Um, so that's why I say my CPTSD, you know, I have my childhood um, neglect and abuse, and then I have my DV, and then I have my accident. Um, and all of these uh, really are their own separate traumas, but impact each other and it's just recently that I'm actually doing a lot of unpacking of the trauma too. Um, you know, like 
so many people I kind of sucked it down and got past it and got past it and then when something else shakes up your world you learn that you're not really past it no. you know um you know the spouse that I refer to a wonderful man has never ever um you know struck me in anger but yet if he yells right now I'm being reactive and that's just my trauma because you know I have broken out of the safety net so you know everything's a little bit more raw and um just having you know those sudden noises, you know, I'll be mm -hmm. hypervigilant, a hyperstartle reflex. I'll use the clinical language here um, <laughs> because I can speak it despite high school, you know, education. I think that's, well, I'll get back to that in a minute, but, but in regards to, there's some sort of like primal something in your brain that says, when, when you're talking about get past it, get past it. But then all of a sudden your brain's kind of like, oh wait, hey, uh, remember that horrible thing that happened repeatedly for this amount of time? Let's, right. let's think about that now. And, and, and then it just oop, <laughs> it comes out in, um, in a, sometimes in a surprising way, like, you, you know, um, Hmm. Sorry, I I, I kind of got like a little uh, vicarious trauma. So I've, I'm anyway. sorry. No, 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 no. It's okay. Um. But yeah, it, it, it it's it's like it sneaks up on you, like a <laughs> I can think of it as like a predatory cat. Kind of is. Um. And until it's pounced and its claws are in your back, you don't know it's there. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm just, I guess I feel lucky that I could recognize it for what it is at least, you know, that I have, you know, um, a good support system and good self-awareness uh, and have learned some of the coping mechanisms and, uh, so that I'm not getting lost being back in that traumatic person, you know, that I can yeah. sit there in the moment and say, breathe, you're safe in this moment. This is just reminding you of something that came before. Um, and I'm lucky that the people around me, they've come to, um, I have to attribute this one to, to a new friend of mine. They gave me a great uh, thing to say. Don't listen to my first response. Listen to my second response. Because the first response might be emotional and irrational. And it's by the second time I'm saying it, that it could come out in a way that is rational and that other people can understand. I love that. Yeah. It makes Thank sense. You, <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I, 
knowing those grounding exercises and that's that's practical knowledge for anybody who has anxiety or um ptsd just just knowing it's like concentrate on your breath and and it's a practice and it's a practice and and practice makes perfect (laughs) as corny as that is in, in this case it's really true yeah yeah it is uh but you know and we also have to look at the gifts of imperfection because you're not going to get it right every time. Mm-mm. No. So, you know, um, but you know what? Even when you make a mistake, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, why was that reaction so strong? Where did it come from? Who showed up in that moment? You know, I, I look at it. Was it, was it the little girl, Angela, you know, was it, was it the mama bear and or um was it the did the domestic violence survivor was it the person that was sitting in the hospital led hopeless which person is being triggered by whatever is going on right now and then i tried to say something kind to that mm. person that part of me and soothe it and it helps it does it does and I I do not envy you for having to put this into some logical segue order. (laughs) You know what? This has been very stream of consciousness because I was like, I realized we had gotten off track, (laughs) but I I did acknowledge though. Um, When you being working in as a peer counselor, but then you also worked on SAMHSA grants and you created forms and procedures that are still in use today. And you say this as a person who took a few college courses and didn't get a degree. And I feel like we've lost a bit of that do-it-yourself in the community, that, that spirit of I have life experience and I, I'm a great at observing things and I, I can take that and turn it into a practical skill to use. Okay. I, I feel like there's so much emphasis now on. Bachelor's required. Bachelor's yeah. required. I, I mean, really, um, with the first not-for-profit that I was working for down in New York City, um, I started as a part-time peer advocate. And in the nine years I worked there, I went to, you know, from part-time to full-time to a program manager to do um, creating a curriculum about health homes with um, New York City Department of Mental Health and Hygiene and going around and training people on what it meant to be part of a health home. Then I was... um, wound up a division director of the contracts I oversaw were worth, you know, 300, uh, three quarters of a million dollars and funded by New York City Department of Mental Health and Hygiene, New York State Office of Mental Health. Um, I had the same audit standards as any clinical program. 
you know, I had to learn my scope of services and how to tap dance around and make what I wanted to do fit the description of what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> because we know that that's part of the not-for-profit world. <laughs> That that is the the secret. <laughs> we have to make we. It's like the loaves and fishes from the Bible. <laughs> We're gonna make something out of nothing, <laughs> right? <laughs> and do it well. <laughs> yes. But, and you know, mm-hmm. I I I know part of what what's changed for me. Um, as, as far as that. Um, get it doneness is a lot more things are becoming billable services mm-hmm. and when Money. you when you deal with you know it, it takes the um authenticity the the non-hierarchical roles that are kind of really needed for peer support mm-hmm. out of the equation you know right because one permit is being paid was dicey enough, but now that I have to write about the way to build Medicaid, <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, okay. You're working with this patient. You're on the phone for ten minutes. Okay, that's worth a billable hour. Um, I, I don't understand this reducing person in need to uh, a dollar value. Like that, I don't feel like that's ever been, I I, I don't know. That to me is not a grassroots feeling or sentiment or how we should be approaching things. And see, that's what's happening is a lot of the grassroots movements have become industries, businesses Mm -hmm. in and of themselves. So, you know, it's not people that are, think of like banding together in some basement somewhere and talking and plotting on how we're going to change the world. And I think we need to get back to that somehow. Absolutely. Um, I think about the, the movement in the city. First pride was a riot. And then the following year in 1970, there was the first pride parade and it was, being led by two trans women of color who had just, you know, were homeless or had to leave their homes and had right. no formal education. And they're like, we, God damn it. I have civil rights and you're going to respect me as a person. Right. So where I, you know, it just, be, we all became commodified after a while. Yeah. We did. And I also think, too, about the domestic violence movement. Like, what year was it when it actually became illegal for a spouse to physically harm another spouse? Because I feel like it wasn't that long ago. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like maybe sometime in the 60s, I could research that, put it in the show notes. <laughs> but but I know, I remember this very clearly because it was the year I was born. 1975 was the first year um, a, the female, I'm going to say female spouse, just because it feels weird to say wife and husband, but that's a whole other issue I have. Anyway, but the female spouse could finally get a bank account of their own. 
Everything had to be, yeah, until 1974, everything had to be a joint account. Wow. So only 46 years ago. (laughs) Could a person who was married have their own money? It's astounding, right? It it really is. I'm just like blowing my mind. I'm like, wait a minute. I was eight years old. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we know. And we got off track too about the sisters (laughs) as well. (laughs) Um, so, (laughs) um, So they asked you to be part of their collective. Yeah, is that where this started? Oh my goodness. We went off on a million tangents, but that's okay. Um, Yeah, they asked me to be part of their collective. Um, You know, I went to a couple of, um, well, this is all during COVID, so they're all, you know, Zoom meetings, and um, I learned what they're about, um, and their mission just really spoke to me. you know, I, I think the words that really spoke to me was ending stigmatic guilt because I had had so much throughout my life. You know, I don't know what that is. Can you um, explain for me and the viewers? Well, you know, the guilt that you have of being stigmatized, you know, the shame because mm-hmm. you're other, because you're gay, because you're queer, because, you know. You don't fit um, in the parameters. Yeah. So whatever it is, you know, how many people feel bad about themselves because of the way they're other? And we just mm-hmm. say you are valid and you are loved as you are. But I'm only a novice, so I can't really be speaking for um my house but that is part of um what really spoke to me is to just being able to tell people you're valid and you're loved just the way you are and that's also difficult because I had to reconcile how was that gentleman who said someone get a gun and and shut up the queers valid and loved And, you know, then I had to, you know, remind myself that he, too, was a product of his experience. Mm -hmm. He was someone who was unhoused, who was living on the streets and harassed and angry that I was not being silenced on the corner the way he had been. And that I had to approach him with a little bit of kindness and compassion didn't have to like what he did, mm-hmm. but if I could just maybe take a step back and look about where where it came from, that it came from a place of hurt, and hurt people hurt people because they don't know that. they don't know better, mm-hmm. and, and until you learn to say, yes, I'm a hurt person, but there's another way that I can learn to operate. You know, a better way. A better way, yeah, or yeah. else we're just going to be stick- sitting here and hurting each other. That needs to stop. I know for me, and, and your experience may be different, but it got so common, because I, I, I didn't know I was depressed and 
at all. I, I thought everybody felt like I did. And it was so normal for me to have this general sense of pain. You know, I normalized it so much. And to, to be able to change your thinking about there's a better way to live. It's, yeah, it, it, it blew my mind. <laughs> you know, there's also like, so as much as I can speak clinical language and, you know, do say <laughs> my diagnoses and whatnot, there's also a part of me, like, so you have to understand when I first started mental health treatment, um, you know, after my accident in the mid nineties, there was still very much the system that's saying you're broken. Your yeah. life is limited now. Yep. You're never going to really do anything. So let's just, you know, put you on your meds, stabilize what it is you're feeling, which meant make you feel nothing. Um, so it was like a factory almost. Yeah. And there, there, there was no hope. Um, why did I start this? I'm sorry, I just, my fault. <laughs> it's okay. I, I think it was the normalization of the mental yeah. pain. And then in your case too, you also had the physical pain. Yes. And what, what, wind up, what I wound up saying is that for me, I think it's incredibly difficult for anybody to be in emotionally healthy in such a sick, sick society. Mm. So really I challenge what the mental health system says about us being broken. Mm. It's about the world and the system being broken. Um, and that's also part of ending stigmatic guilt. I'm not guilty ah. for broken. You're guilty because you're the- <laughs> Yeah. You know what, that actually, I made a connection because you said in the mid nineties, Prozac came out then and they were just like, oh wow, we have all these lonely, disaffected people. Give them on Prozac. Boom. You're fixed. Great job. Mental health care system. Oh, let me tell you, I I had wonderful, wonderful side effects from Prozac that my psychiatrist would not listen to. Luckily enough, I was already involved in being peer su- uh, a peer supporter. So I had, you know, I was working on the grounds of a state psychiatric facility um, and had a little bit more knowledge. I knew how to titrate myself off because after mm-hmm. months and months of just telling the doctor, I don't want to take this and just being told, take it anyway. You know, I put matters into my own hands and uh, it's not a great thing, way to go, but it's what I felt like I needed to do at the time um, yeah. because the system was also broken, uh, very broken. I remember being in um, a partial hospital program and a um, the psychiatrist there didn't know me at all. And at that point, my... Um, my diagnoses were depression and the PTSD. And they asked about um, if I was ever sexually promiscuous as a teenager. What does that have to do with the time of day? Well, because apparently sexual promiscuity 
is going to indicate bipolar disorder. Are you serious? Holy crow. Except, you know, this person gave me the label of bipolar disorder and all the meds that went along with it without ever finding out that I was a sexual assault survivor and that my promiscuity was actually a part of my trauma. Wow. I I hate that word, promiscuity. Oh, yeah, I hate it, too. I hate it, too. I, I feel like birth because you never hear about men or people assigned male at birth being promiscuous. No. You know, they get a slap on the back for you know every notch. But they're just considered a smooth player, right? But and, you know, for, yeah. forget about it. If someone with uh, the with that the, that's not male you know, have a self healthy sexual appetite or mm-hmm. enjoy sex. Uh, so that's another thing that just needs to go down the tubes. It's yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, in, in term, in the times of prep now with um, HIV prevention, I, Prior to that, I was always sex positive, but then it's like we're really diving into a different area where people in the in the LGBTQ community rejected PrEP because ugh, only slutty people need that medication. I'm like, why, why are you shaming people in your own community that enjoy sex and are not monogamous? So, right. So then, yeah, but thankfully we are past that now <laughs> within the community it's it's all the um bullshit patriarchy out there that's coming down hard on why do we need this and do you know maybe i don't know it's a morality thing i think is what i'm trying i'm stumbling through and you know <laughs> It should be up to the person who is having sex to look at look at their. their I'm getting off track again. <laughs> it's the person out there doing the fucking who has to uh, see. You know, it's consent. I think is what I'm giving out. I'm sorry, my brain is so mushy right now. Consent, consent, consent. <laughs> that it, it. Consent is key. You yeah. know, uh, consent is absolutely key. And as long as you have two consenting adults, you know, um, let them let them be, let them be happy, let them be fulfilled. Uh, yeah. You know, keep your nose out of it. If it doesn't affect you, mind your business. Right. I mean, and people have sex for a variety of, of reasons. Right. And, 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 and too, I, I mean, sex work is valid work. It so, absolutely is. You know, and, and you know, sex workers deserve every protection that they can get for themselves. Frankly, it should be decriminalized. It should be. Yeah. But you know, hey, cannabis, you know, marijuana just was decriminalized and now legalized. So yeah, maybe some other 
uh, old-fashioned values will start to change, hopefully. I was um, actually doing some research for another show I'm going to be doing down, uh, episode I'm going to be doing down the line. And I happened upon SWAP, um, the sex workers. It's almost kind of like a union. Um, uh, we don't have a chapter locally, unfortunately. Um, but in big, big letters on their website, it says, it, it, now I don't even remember exactly what it said. So I'm going to paraphrase, but I will put that in the show notes for sure. Um, and it was basically about how we're going to respect the people in the sex work community, not rescue them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big problem I have being a person who is white and cisgendered, having all that privilege to going to be the savior in this story. You know, here's mm. somebody who's completely disadvantaged and I'm going to get the credit for getting them back on track. Like that bullshit doesn't, that's gross. And again, commodifying somebody. Right. <laughs> I feel like we took a trip around the world in about two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope that we got what you need. Um. <laughs> We went to some really heavy places. Um, is there something? Um, hmm. uh, you know what? You mentioned your cat. Is there something nice and fluffy that we can land on to, to wrap up our episode? <laughs> um, I mentioned my cat. Um, yeah. Sorry. I'm an animal lover. So. Oh, that's okay. Well, then you might not like his name. What's his name? His name is Asshat. He is an Asshat cat because he's a pirate (laughs) kitty who likes to jump on my shoulder. And if I'm bending down, he jumps on my back and I can walk from room to room in the house with him on my shoulder. And (laughs) um, I also have sleep apnea. And when I'm wearing my CPAP machine, Mm -hmm. he comes... um, and lays on my chest and he starts knocking the mask off of my nose when he wants me to wake up and give him food or water. <laughs> so he has, ass hat used to be a nickname. Now it is his official name. But we say <laughs> it with love. <laughs> I adore that so much. Um, I will definitely put a link for the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence in our show notes. Um, is there anything else that you would like to promote? Loving one another. That's right. Don't be Being an ass. kind to one another. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's like I said, here in the capital region, it's the Empire Sisters. Um no, we're not. I don't think. When are you going to be um, a full-fledged? Well, I've already, I already did my novice project. That was, um, my novice project was the day that that person threatened me. Um, it was the spring equinox. And what I oh. had done is bought um, a whole bunch of seeds and we stood out in the park and we distributed seeds of hope to the community to restore balance. That's lovely. Um, and that was my novice project. And now I need to 
um, you know, just write up a report and submit it. And then I can pick a day to become a fully professed member. Yay. I am yeah. so excited. I will be, yeah. I'm going to be doing cartwheels the day that you announced your full fledged member. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> I appreciate oh. it. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for coming on um, this episode and sharing a lot of your life. And thank you. Just, just thank you. Cause I appreciate you. And, and you're, you're so, you're just such a, just, I don't know. I just feel hopeful whenever I see your face. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you. I, I, honestly, I don't think I'm anything special. I'm just me. Person? And I just treat people the way that I want to be treated. Absolutely. I try to, you know, um, but then again, I'm, I don't always treat myself so well. So maybe I need to rethink that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to another podcast. I was listening to um, uh, Nicole Byer, uh, Why Won't You Date Me? And she had a queer person on uh, named Ann Pine. Um, she's a, a um, drag queen booker in uh, Los Angeles. And um, she's like, the first thing she says is that she's a fat dyke. And of course, I immediately left her for, for being so open like that. And then she said, you know, it's not about body positivity. It's about genuinely liking who you are as a person and and because your body can do all kinds of amazing things at any sides and logically we know that but it was more or less just treat yourself really well because that is what's going to make you feel whole and pleased to present yourself yeah and you know um that's absolutely true and it's Sometimes a challenge, you know, um, that I think a lot of us do have old self-destructive behaviors, you know, just trying not to um, give into them, give into those bad voices in our head like we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, say the nice words to yourself. Um, yep. Eat the zoodles. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? The other thing I, cause I have to work on this for myself too. I always think, would I ever say the things I say to myself to someone I love? And if I think my first thought is, wow, no, I would not say this even to my work. Well, maybe I'd say it to my worst enemy. <laughs> you know, I, I recently started uh, telling my husband, you know, it hurts me when you talk about the person I love like that, whenever he Aww. says, bad about himself um it, it just I I find that makes people kind of stop a little bit and think you know because we're always telling each other oh don't put yourself down you're down you're too mm -hmm. hard on yourself but I want to keep it on on the eye so it's like I don't like it when you talk about the person I love in such a negative way I'm going to remember that. That's going to be in that in my brain where I need it. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Sage. It's been an All absolute right. pleasure. And 
just a reminder to everybody listening that this has been the Birds and Bees podcast. And if feedback makes this show so much better, so if you could like, rate, and review, if you would like to be part of the show, or if you have any suggestions for me, um, you can email me at birdsandbeespod at gmail.com. I am also available for speaking engagements. I do. Um, now I don't remember what I do. I'm sorry. Yes, you want to hire me. I, can't. <laughs> I do the stuff. I, I do, do the stuff. stuff. <laughs> I do education on sexual health and domestic violence. If for any inquiries, again, that is birdsandbeespod at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow on Instagram at birdsandbeespod. And I, again, I thank you for listening and be kind to yourself. I mean it. Good night. Have a good night. Ha, ha, ha.